Hello, and welcome to the Fad and Dad podcast. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. His friends call him Fad. I'm Joshua Burks. His kids call him Dad. And we're the Fad and Dad podcast, where faith is meaningful and wit is an occasional guest. Time, as they say, is ticking. Time keeps on. What is the word? I just I just hear in 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 in. Time keeps on spinning. spinning. No, no, it's not spinning. What is not it? Spinning. No, this is like the this is like the uh, this is like the episode of The Office where Andy can't remember. Uh, give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that fancy. Time piece. keeps on slipping. Slipping. There we go. Slipping. Whoa! Wow. <laughs> Time keeps on slipping. Does spinning works, right? Eh. No, time keeps on slipping. That's an, that's humbling. There you go. That's okay. But humbly, but it's always good to have humbling beginnings. It is good. <laughs> it is good. Welcome to Fat and Dad, everyone. Fat and Dad episode. Um, the next episode, I'm not keeping track of numbers in my head, uh, but uh, I do know that we're talking. Uh, do you know what number we're on? I did know, but then the I listener would know that. better because because they have to find it and it'll say it in the title. So welcome to our episode in the titles where we are talking the very well about, prepared. Yeah, episode six, episode six, where we're the talking return of the about Jedi, Saint Ignatius and his return to the Jedi. Nope, and his letter to the Romans. That's right. Looking forward to it. My name is Joshua Burks, uh, but you can call me Dad. Actually, don't. Only three people. No, can. don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't call you Dad. Yeah, don't. I take that. Resend. But you can call him Fad. Sure. Maybe it works. Yeah. No, it does. There's people that do. Okay. Uh, Father Andrew Dickinson, otherwise known as Fad of the Fad and Dad podcast. And Whoop. um. Are we the new era of church fathers? God bless the world if we are. The new era? <laughs> yeah. What did you say? Era or error? Just hear, oh, hear it as you want. Hear it as yeah. you want. Oh, that's so relativistic. Well, it's kind of like that song, Time Keeps on Slipping. So it's really, you just, you hear whatever word you want. And you insert it in My the- goat knows the bowling score. Hallelujah. <laughs> no. Oh, sorry. Oh man! Oh man! Well, uh, in in great news of this episode of Fat and Dad, Fad lost his book this week. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I I really don't know what happened. So Fad is sad this week, but we promise that this episode will not be bad. No, I don't know. That might be a promise that uh, we might wish that we made have not had. Ah, well done. No, well that was done. not well done at all. Uh, well, or maybe it's like a well done steak where well done is not a good thing. True. Mm. Tougher than a $2 steak. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, bad news is I don't know where my text is, where I wrote my notes. And uh, yeah, and I had some underlined things and marginal notes. And mm. now I just have marginal memory. Marginal memory. Come Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. 
Amen. Well, so but, this... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I would say, but it's still a good letter. It is a and wonderful letter. Even more, and, and, this, and this episode really wasn't about me anyways, because this episode is all about the tease uh, that Josh uh, left us for us on the last one. It we ended episode five uh, with St. Ignatius' letter to the Trollians. Uh, he, Josh, promised us big deals in what he loves about the letter to the Romans. Indeed. So, I mean, it's really, I didn't actually lose it. I just misplaced it on purpose. So then you <laughs> could just yes. fill us with your wisdom. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I am glad we're here. The letter to the Romans does have, um, it, it has a unique, well, not a unique shape. It, it, it takes the same shape as the other letters, but it has just a unique characteristic to it. Uh, it's, it's unlike the previous letters so far. Um, we've looked at about three. I think this is maybe letter number four. Thereabouts. Yep, of, number, of the, it's number four. Okay, so so we've already looked at three letters that Ignatius has written on his journey to Rome, where he will eventually suffer martyrdom. And these letters have gone out to different churches, such as the Trollians, um, the Magnesians, and the Ephesians, uh, encouraging them in in things like Christian unity um, and maybe certain smaller pastoral matters as well. This one doesn't really... The focus of this letter is not so much the church in Rome, although it's addressed to them and it has a message for them. Uh, this letter is really... It, it's very personal from Ignatius. This... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the, the focus of the letter is... You know, his, his interior disposition. Maybe that's too far to say it's the sole focus, but it's certainly one of the dominant strains of this letter is that we just we peer into the heart and, and kind of the mind to the preparation of Ignatius on his way to martyrdom. And he's, and he's always an open book, mm-hmm. you know, in the previous letters in the sense of um, his concern for the church in Antioch and Asia that he left behind, his... Uh, urgent desire for all readers of his letters to pray for the church there. Yeah. Uh, also in his uh, acknowledgement both of his office and responsibility as a bishop, at the same time his uh, humble awareness mm-hmm. of his weakness and faults as a Christian. But this one just, it really just zones in on uh, wh- wh- where his life is headed right now. And again, because uh, that he's writing these letters at He's under arrest. He's being taken uh, to be uh, fed to the beasts in the circuses in Rome. And for some reason, that's on his mind. Yeah, for some reason. Um, Because it's looming right ahead of him. Yeah, Yeah. Fad, you said that he's an open book about his humility, too, about his own humanity, his own shortcomings, Mm -hmm. that he, his own flaws. Um, I also saw in this letter, this wasn't just, so part of this letter is actually his, it's, it expresses his zeal for martyrdom. And one of the ways he does that is this letter is a warning to them not to stop yes. him. <laughs> yes. And um, I think when you said that, that these letters give a window of humility and just kind of openness, I think this letter is also a letter of accountability for himself. Oh, Totally. He, yes. He's writing like even if I if I get there and and I change my mind like don't come to my aid. So so this is him almost just putting intention into writing 
knowing that in a sober mind, this is what I desire. And don't let me, for lack of a better phrase, wimp out at the end. Right. Don't let me get uh, intoxicated by uh, the desire to preserve my my life on earth. Yes. Instead, let me be filled uh, with uh, the desire to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, to whom I've been formed uh, mm-hmm. by his grace, but now I want to bring it to completion. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good journey of maturation. Right. Um, and... There's a good, it, it should be noted in this letter, there was a really good, um, not from Ignatius himself, but in the just the edition that I have, I think from the, the translator, the editor of the work that I'm working out of has just like an intro paragraph to this letter. Hmm. Uh, and he talks about this letter could be seen as um, like an intense masochism, <laughs> just like ah. a desire for, for pain. And it, he wasn't taking that point of view, but almost that sure. it, it could be interpreted that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's so, um, he is yearning for this martyrdom and I, I want to find a, a specific passage here. So it was, uh, this is section five, uh, of his letter, verse three. And he says, now is the moment I am beginning to be a disciple. May nothing seen or unseen begrudge me making my way to Jesus Christ. Come fire, cross, battling with wild beasts, wrenching of bones, mangling of limbs, crushing of my whole body, cruel tortures of the devil. Only let me go to Jesus Christ. Um, And so seen without a spiritual lens, this letter seems like just a a crazy person who wants to suffer. (laughs) But, But seen through the lens of Christ, he it's not just a, not by way of masochism that he wants this suffering and this end of martyrdom, but it's through good discernment and through uh, following the promptings of the Holy Spirit that is leading him to a death that is going to take on the shape of Christ's death, uh, that he yearns for this so badly. He yearns for it because this is, this is God's plan for him. Uh, so he's just trying to mold his will to Christ, and Christ is calling him to give the ultimate witness in martyrdom. Uh, so this isn't Ignatius has a this this mind twisted obsession with suffering. Um, he rather just has an obsession with Jesus Christ and following right. his will, right? Um, which is and again it's that idea of like, what does it mean to be a disciple? Yeah, right. To be a disciple is you know and there's uh, uh, focus loves using the Fellowship of Catholic University students. Focus loves using that kind of Semitic terminology, right? That uh, is to sit in the dust of the feet of the master, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a kind of a, a, which is a very tactile, very tangible notion of what it means to be a disciple of someone. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what you're quoting from there in uh, uh, section five of this letter, yeah, that is. Like he, he wants to, to imitate Jesus even to the point of that suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's a it's different mode, Right than how Jesus suffered, you know, through the uh, the agony, the uh, whipping, the scourging, uh, the carrying of the cross, and the crucifixion. But it's still going to be a conformity that he's uh, kind of obeying and giving himself for love of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 he sees this as a culmination in some ways that all things have led up to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Um... I see in Ignatius not only a type of Christ, but but you get this pattern that Scripture and and the Church 
in nice harmony here reveals uh, about those who bind themselves to Christ's death, especially in the form of his death through martyrdom. I think of Stephen uh, when I think Mm. of Ignatius here. Ignatius really wants to be poured out in the form of Christ. And in Acts of the Apostles, St. Stephen, the first martyr, uh, really his death is is written in this parallel harmony harmony to to the death of Christ in the Gospels. Um, right. They sound and, and read extremely similarly, and that's on purpose because it's not just a historical record, but as Scripture, it's 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 revealing to us how how the saints took on the shape of Christ and, and took on the life and the death of Christ. Yeah, and even uh, even more than just the scriptures telling us that the saints imitated Jesus in this way, you know, I would even say that Acts of the Apostles makes it explicit that not just the saints imitated Jesus, but Jesus is living out through his saints. Yeah, boom. Right. Um, this is uh, Tim Gray uh, from the Augustine Institute. He loves to make this point: with Acts of the Apostles that. Um, uh, it begins by saying, you heard, most excellent Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do. Mm-hmm. Right, All that Jesus began to do, uh, which implies that Jesus is still doing it. Yep. And of course, then we see that in the conversion of Saul. Mm-hmm. Right, And Saul was watching approvingly of Stephen's death. And what does Jesus say to Saul, Mr. Biblical Scholar? Why are you persecuting me? Me, right? Not why are you persecuting them? Why are you bugging these Christians? Why are you killing Christians? No, why are you persecuting me? So Jesus identifies that he is in them. And so St. Ignatius is wanting to live that out as well, live out that identity. Um, And uh, I think that's just an important thing uh, for us to note in this way that, that Christian martyrdom isn't just simply... It's certainly not a masochism, although people with just the spirit of this age and maybe a sociological, psychological one, and there might be some who are masochistic and mm-hmm. misplace their desire for martyrdom. Yeah. But the true martyrs of Holy Church, um, you know, they're, they're wanting to be conformed to Christ, and Christ is living in them in that desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well said. And so that is a wonderful segue to get... To, to, the, to finish the cliffhanger. Okay. All right. So so Christ is... Drum roll, in, please. Christ is participating in his people. <laughs> so it comes in section four. And it's... Um, he writes to the Romans. He says... Uh, about the second sentence. He says, I plead with you. Do not do me an unseasonable kindness. Right? It, it would be kind, but it's just not in, not in the right season. Let me, let me be fodder for wild beasts. That is how I can get to God. And here's the punchline. He says, I am God's wheat, and I am being ground by the teeth of wild beasts to make a pure loaf for Christ. St. Ignatius sees his martyrdom eucharistically. Yeah. He sees his martyrdom as a participation... Mm in the Eucharistic sacrifice of Jesus who gave himself for the salvation of souls. And so, so this goes so much further than just dying for something you believe in Um, as, as good as it may be or may not be as good as um, so, so take for, and um, take the example for what it is dying for something like your country, dying for something like a good cause, 
heroic, yes, but it is not, uh, that's not just transposable to what Ignatius is doing here. He's not going to the death just because he believes in it so much he's willing to die for it. He sees his death, and and you you said this, Fad, that this is Christ living out through his saints. And this is his saints, this is Christ's people participating in the shape of Christ in his Eucharistic offering. And it it just appears to me, you know, this isn't just... um, this isn't just off-the-head language where just Ignatius is going, oh, that, I guess that did kind of sound Eucharistic. <laughs> he's, he, or, or he's not just picking a metaphor out of the metaphor sack. Yeah. You know, right. Um, Ignatius has been thoroughly Eucharistic so far in his previous letters. And and somewhere, True. I didn't mark it out, but he says something uh, about the flesh of Christ and the blood of Christ in this letter. Uh, mm. He's very explicit in, in Eucharist already. And so by using, I am God's wheat, and I am being ground by the teeth of wild beasts to make a pure loaf for Christ. How is Ignatius of Antioch being personally called to participate in the Eucharistic sacrifice of Christ through this martyrdom? And and he wants to give himself wholly to that. So if that's what Jesus is calling you to do, he's begging the Romans not to stop that from happening. Right. You know? Right. Right. Right, so and that's part of your, when you first talked about this as a mature reflection mm-hmm. on St. Ignatius's part, mm-hmm. not just some whim, yeah. not just being caught up in the moment of something. And this is, by all accounts, too, is a man later in his life, mature in his years, mm-hmm. uh, not even middle-aged, um, right. but, uh, you know, and so it is the full fruit of his life of Christian discipleship uh, to desire uh, to do that. And so... Um, yeah, I think that's that's just that's just spot on. Uh, you know, the line you were looking for uh, is that uh, I remember yeah. I had underlined this in my copy, which I don't have, but uh, on the online one, I could just do Control F Blood. How it's nice. the very end of Part Seven. Yeah, uh, the last two sentences are so in Part Seven, right? I have no delight in corruptible food, nor in the pleasures of this life. I desire the bread of God, the heavenly bread, the bread of life, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, mm-hmm. who became afterwards of the seed of David and Abraham. And I desire the drink of God, namely his blood, which is incorruptible love and eternal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so very, so strikingly Eucharistic. Now, you could quibble, and I'm sure some people might, on like how Eucharistic it is or what sort of repercussions there are, but you can't say it's not Eucharistic. Yeah. And so, uh, and that, oh, go, go ahead. And further, that this isn't just, um, oh, how do I say this? That Ignatius, and, and thus we see a window into the early church, saw the Eucharist as a sacrifice, as an offering, uh, because right. he's he's making an offering of his body. Sure. Uh, yeah. How can how can that Eucharistic action not be sacrificial? Yeah. When he sees his own sacrifices being brought up into uh, the sacrifice of Jesus. Yeah. Right. And again, this is an early reflection. Might not have the full maturity mm-hmm. of the years of theological reflection, but it's there. It's undeniably there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his desire. I am the wheat of God to be ground by the teeth of the wild beasts. Mm-hmm. And so he obviously sees Jesus's last supper as directly connected to his uh, Eucharist. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, or excuse me, as directly connected to his sacrifice on Calvary, that the bread and the wine only makes sense in the context of coming to and mm-hmm. uh, being fulfilled by Calvary. Yes. Yeah. Where Jesus was ground into wheat, into God's wheat through the cross. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, um, awesome cliffhanger. Yeah. Hopefully worth it. <laughs> yeah. I, for me, it was. It was worth the wait. Same. Yeah. That, yeah. So that's what really, um, that's what's always struck me from Ignatius and his letter to the Romans. Uh, there's obviously more. We have more ahead of us with Ignatius. But uh, not only we've, we've seen his teaching from kind of an ecclesial church unity side on keeping the Eucharist. But now we get an insight into his personal participation in the continual Eucharistic offering of the church. And I just, it's breathtaking. So can I do a so what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So what? Um, But I think the so what of this is, you know, where oftentimes he's giving those disciplinary encouragements, right, about that unity of the church and without uh, bishops, priests, and deacons, no communities of church and things like that. You know, um, so what there is kind of more about whom I connected with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, uh, which, which is very important, but here the so what is more of um, my own participation. How am I thinking, praying, desiring to be brought up into the sacrifice of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Right? I may not have wild beasts. Mm-hmm. Right, a Roman circus. So I might not be chained to ten leopards, the uh, soldiers that are leading him uh, to to Rome. But uh, wherever I am, Jesus is desiring to be made present in me through my own participation in His sacrifice. Amen. Right. Uh, Whoever wishes to be my disciple must take up his cross daily and follow after me. Yeah. And so when we read Saint Ignatius, and listeners, hope again that you're reading through mm-hmm. uh, the church fathers as well, how am I looking for and asking Jesus to show me, right? Because this isn't just Ignatius's uh, brilliance of invention. Right. This is the fact that he is in communion with the Holy Spirit in his Christian life and the life of the sacraments, that he's discerning and knowing that this is a place for me in a big way, but he's also learned in small ways in his life, how am I to, conf- how is Jesus's crucifixion being manifest in my life right now? Amen to that. Yeah, it's not. It may not be wild beasts. It's probably not going to be wild beasts. <laughs> right. Right. N- not ruling it out, but it's probably not going to be wild beasts. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things. Uh, it could be financial stress. It could be a loved one or yourself is battling illness. Uh, whatever it is, these are the things in which Christ is calling you to participate in his life and in his Eucharistic sacrifice through your priesthood, through the common priesthood by your baptism, you actually can make an offering of that. That's how you join in the priestly offering of Jesus, because you are a priest by virtue of your baptism. Right. 
uh, no, that's that's dead on, dead on the spot. And that, that's why you are baptized as a priest, prophet, and priest is to take up your cross mm-hmm. daily, mm-hmm. right? Which uh, and and we're never gonna, we probably won't get to the point of the wild beast. Although there are stories of people that almost instantly go to martyrdom mm-hmm. uh, in their life, but for most of us, it's going to be through those smaller participations, those daily small participations in the cross first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I related, but it's a few steps back, Fad, when you when you were mm-hmm. introducing this this movement and you were just simply saying that um, by whatever means that Christ is calling you to participate in his cross, there is this line and it's right above the um the flesh and blood line where in section 7 he says there's living water in me which speaks and says inside me come to the father. I that that was beautiful to me because his path to martyrdom is his response to that inner call of the spirit that says, come to the father. Uh, and he's listening to that call. So again, probably not wild beasts, but where, where in my heart do I hear that? Uh, through what Avenue of my life is, is Jesus beckoning me come to the father? Do I hear that? Do I hear that gentle voice or maybe loud, resonant voice of the Holy Spirit saying, come to the Father, meet me here? Right. And that's where, um, like, reading Life of Scriptures, you know, just as St. Ignatius maybe didn't have the Scriptures as we had them in full now, but had maybe various collections of the writings that would circulate uh, before they're collected in a canon. Uh, but right through the readings of Scriptures, the breaking of the bread, the life of the sacraments, and in fellowship and conversation with our fellow Christians to hear about their own sharing of the cross in their own daily life. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the ways where I most often identify my failures to live the cross is actually in hearing confessions. <laughs> that's right. That's funny and it's beautiful though. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's one of the greatest gifts to me as a priest is that, you know, as people come in and make their beautiful and honest um, confession to God through his priest, I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that, am I? <laughs> you know, and so, like, I, I, I really, thanks be to God, don't remember uh, sins from people in confession, but what yeah. I do remember is, like, I need to bring that this up about me, like this particular instance, not someone else's right. instance, but my own shortness with a staff member, frustration with a parochial vicar, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah, that, that's humbling that even when you're in persona Christi, Christ is still ministering to you. You know, he's a pretty big guy. <laughs> he can do a lot. He's a pretty big guy. <laughs> so am I, Fad. So am I. Just not you're, not you're, in the you're, you're, not in the divine sense, more in like the dad okay. gut sense. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was a little confused there on like being a big god. <laughs> <laughs> you said big god. I thought you said big guy. No. <laughs> wow, these are awful bookends to our podcast. <laughs> oh man. Well, all right. Big gods yeah. and big guys. That'll be our next podcast. So once Fat and Dad has run his course, maybe we'll launch. I don't know if I can be on a podcast called Big Gods and Big Guys. Oh, there you go. There's there's some uh, there's some heresy in there. All right, <laughs> there rescind, is. rescind, smidgen. <laughs> oh. So when uh, in in 100, 150 years from now, when Josh Burks is up for canonization, Josh Burks of uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, they're gonna unearth this podcast somehow, <laughs> and like nope. apparently he was a polytheist. <laughs> Unless we have him like recanting oh, of it. Add it to the big long list of, of <clears throat> reasons that they're going to give pause to my canonization, probably. There we go. 
Well, uh, dear listeners, thanks for not pressing pause uh, when you. listening to us, despite our uh, errors. But we retract our errors <laughs> when we realize we make them. We do. Um, we do not persist in grave error. Um, uh, in in Fad's thanks, can we take a, a moment of honesty and humility and, and give a actually a really big thank you to those who are listening through this? Amen. Um, we we set this off and it could have been one two or 12 listeners or it could just be us talking to ourselves and we would enjoy it nonetheless but um you know i think this has picked up a lot more steam than we anticipated and that doesn't mean it's the world's biggest thing but we are profoundly grateful uh and humbled and and thank you for for making this journey with us Amen. Uh, so grateful. And uh, also, if you would, show your gratitude to our sponsors, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, mm. uh, by offering them uh, worship and adoration and praise, because everything uh, Josh and I have come from them. Amen to that. So. Next week. What's next? Is Ignatius and his letter to the Philadelphians. Philadelphia freedom. Holy cow. This is like, well, I'm just like, how did he know that there'd be another continent? This is great. Right? I look forward to hearing what he knew about the Atlantic Ocean. Really prophetic. He's pr- probably a mention of the Liberty Bell in there somewhere. Totally. Totally. Yep. And the Eagles and their uh, <laughs> championship in the National Football League. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, good. Well, I uh, look forward to talking about that with you, uh, Josh Burks. I look forward to talking with you, Father Andrew Dickinson Fad. And dear listeners, uh, God bless you and uh, see you again. Cheers. Heresy! Heresy, heresy! Only if it was uh, persistent. Yeah. So. Oh, stop the garage band, Father. Father. Father.